The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife. Save the environment. Save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World on this lovely December day. It's December 10th and I'm sitting here in outside of Aspen, Colorado in a little town called Woody Creek and we've got a lot of snow out so if you're a skier, come on out. Um, it's that time of year. The other point to remember is Our Wild World and um, with the upcoming holidays, there's a whole lot of things you can do. Um, you can support uh, a variety of wildlife conservation issues. All you need to do is check out our website at www.wildeyes.org uh, and drop us a line. And um, perhaps you're gearing up for the holidays and thinking of your loved ones and thinking of what you'd like to do. And maybe a photographic safari is the thing you'd like to do and travel to Africa. Over the last couple of weeks, we provided some tips and tricks to make your safari the best that it can possibly be and that once-in-a-lifetime experience that you may have. Or maybe you're uh, a long-time traveler and have been to Africa and wanted to find out some new places to go. Hopefully, we helped provide some information on that for you. So today, we're thinking about, okay, so it's Christmas, Um and maybe you're thinking about giving somebody a camera so that you can take some great pictures on that wildlife safari, photographic safari that you're heading into. So today I'd like to talk a little bit about camera basics and wildlife photography and landscape photography and photographing uh people, uh, and not necessarily here in the Western world, but the difference of photographing people in Africa, which is usually tribal people. There's some cultural sensitivities you should be prepared to um, pay attention to. So um, I guess the first place we should start is knowing your camera. Uh, if you're about to get a camera for that safari and you're um, going to be focusing no pun intended, on wildlife and working in Africa, then there are some certain things you should keep in mind. Um, a lot of people have the point-and-shoot cameras today, which are great. They fit in your pocket. They're easy to carry around um, and uh, easy, to, easy to photograph with. But if you want to get wildlife, then a point-and-shoot camera is not necessarily the way to go. That camera will come in real handy uh, when you're in your camp or in your lodge or um, walking around and doing the, the tourist thing in urban areas. 
um, or even a village area. There aren't that many urban type areas that we're accustomed to in that you'll come across on your safari. And uh, the other thing is I was saying to um, be aware of what you photograph when you are in a village or with people. Um, you don't just go along and shoot pictures like you would standing here in a tourist area. Let's say you were visiting Aspen, Colorado, and standing right down there downtown and looking at our fabulous architecture and the landscape around um, and the interesting people walking up and down the streets, you don't just point your camera in the face of a tribal person and start shooting pictures. Uh, it's just not appropriate, and it's not a friendly uh, way to introduce yourself to a community. Uh, the best way to do that is to talk to people first. Say hi, say hello, hopefully in their local language, and ask if you can take their picture. Um, Africa has been, I'm going to use the word exploited for a really long time in terms of the photographic possibilities. It is an astounding place to photograph. The people are incredibly beautiful between the tribal gear and uh, clothing and beadwork and the details that the people themselves are are dressed in and made up of it's so foreign to our western clothing that it's eye candy it's mind-boggling and it's beautiful but you want to be kind and you want to be respectful and ask people first if you can photograph them sometimes you'll have to pay and this is appropriate um, if somebody wanted to come up and take your picture for no reason and you just because of the way you looked you probably you could feel a little insulted or you wanted, you'd want to know why. So um, be respectful of the culture and ask people and you may have to pay. Um, talk to your tour operator about this and talk to your guide. They'll let you know whether you can or cannot photograph. I went to Ethiopia on a fabulous tribal-oriented trip with the um, Mercy people, the Hammer people, and the Kara people uh, up the Omorate River, which is um, a really hot place just above uh, the northern area of Kenya, uh, outside of the Lake Turkana. And uh, there, it's you don't just walk up and photograph people. You, we ended up working out a um, sort of a deal, an agreement with the entire community and the entire village to photograph the specific ceremony they were having, which was the bull jumping ceremony, which happens about every seven years when the eligible young men are. Uh, Passing the right of manhood, let's let's say. So it, in these two particular uh, villages where we visited, uh, there was one where there were seven young men and another where there was young, uh, one young man. And uh, it's a huge deal. And to just walk in and photograph uh, like um, you're sitting there at the zoo or something like that is just really inappropriate. So you need to work with the people. You talk to the elders or you talk to your tour operator and the re relationship they have with the communities that you'll be visiting on your safari. And then you'll be able to freely photograph what you'd like. But then I would still suggest being culturally sensitive. Um, what we see in a ceremony such as the bull jumping ceremony in the Omo in Ethiopia is 
very, very different than anything you'll see here in just about any tribal ceremony. There's a really great book by Angela Fisher and Carol Beckwith called African Ceremonies, which will give you a bit of an idea of just how different and, uh, some of these ceremonies are, um, how foreign they are to our Western eyes, and uh, what an incredible photographic experience it can be. So let's say you're just you're looking for a camera, um, whether it's Nikon, Canon. There's on and on arguments and discussions and dialogues about which one is better. They both photograph beautifully. Their optics are the same. Um, The functions of the camera are relatively the same in terms of what you'll get out of the camera. But the important thing to remember is you, the person behind the camera. If you don't know how to work your camera, then you're not going to have much success. So if you're going to get yourself a new camera or you're looking for a new camera for a gift, then be specific. Uh, Find out what kind of gear you're going to be using and if you're going to – be going on this photographic safari, then you want to have a good understanding of what it is you're going to see so you can get the best gear, the best camera, and the best equipment to capture the photographs uh, that that you'll want to get on this once-in-a-lifetime experience. So photographing people requires a different kind of a lens setup. Like I said, you can easily use a, a great point-and-shoot um, I would suggest getting more of an advanced point and shoot and a lot of talks these days about megapixels. The higher the megapixels on a digital camera, the better information that you'll be getting through your, your photograph. The megapixel is how is the ratio of the dots. If you, the ratio of the information collected through the digital format. Once we switched over from film to digital, uh, it, it changed a lot in the photographic world. When you use slide and film, uh, it takes all the information there. What you shoot is what you get. In terms of digital information, you have to program your camera to uh, respond to gather as much information so that your finished photograph is the best it can possibly be. It's sharp. It's crisp. If you wanted to blow it up to a... 8 by 10 versus a 20 by 26, or let's say put it on a wall 7 feet by 3 feet. You need the most information possible in that digital format. So once again, the higher the megapixels, the better quality image you're going to get. Then there's that question of of what format do I shoot in? Maybe you've been looking at your camera and you see all these um, little three-digit, not three-digit, three-letter codes, JPEG, JPG, JPEG, RAW, fine, medium, small. What does this mean? JPEG literally translates in in in, translates into Joint Photographers Group. Back when the computer age really started getting going, and I'm going to talk, let's say, the mid-90s to later 90s, um, photographers needed a way to transmit photographs that were huge files. Your typical photographic file can be anywhere from 20 
gigabytes. I'm not talking megabytes. I'm not talking kilobytes. I'm talking megabytes. That's a huge file. So even though you're looking at this little camera and the image looks small, we're not talking inches, um, the size like you would think of in printing a photograph. We're talking um, information within the image captured. So uh, when you start looking at these different formats, JPEG, fine, medium, or low, and then there's a format called RAW. So the advanced point-and-shoot cameras do allow for shooting in RAW. R-A-W. And this is really, really critical if you're going to be doing more with your photographs than just printing them up in four by sixes or um, wanting to just do a simple show. So uh, shooting in RAW is very, very important. Uh, it allows once you transfer your digital material to the computer and start working in the various software applications to make the most out, otherwise known as the digital darkroom. Uh, raw is important and it's as though you're still in camera. Uh, now that we're not shooting on slide film or print film, we have to have another way to deal and work with our photographs and that's the digital darkroom. Uh, you might have heard of Adobe Photoshop or Lightroom and Aperture and Bridge. These are the software programs that help you navigate through your digital photograph, uh, media library and make the most out of this. One is a filing system, which would be light, uh, excuse me, bridge and uh, aperture. The other are the working formats, uh, Photoshop and Lightroom. This is where you make the most out of your picture. But you still have to remember to shoot the best picture you can. Don't go around shooting photographs thinking that, oh, I'll just clean it up in the digital darkroom later. No. The thing about photography is what you shoot is what you see and is what you get. So you want to start from the very beginning and make the most out of your photograph. And we'll get a little more back into that after the break. So if you feel like calling in, please call us at one 472 5788 and I'd be happy to answer your questions. Or you can email me at wildeyes, W-I-L-D-Z-E, at wildeyes.org. And we'll talk to you shortly. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. 
Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Hi there, and we're talking about photographing our wild world on your photographic safari or if you're just walking down the street or if you're going on a nice uh, camping trip or a hiking. You want to be able to photograph and catch the moment that meant so much to you, that emotional moment, and as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. But to get that picture that's worth those thousand words, you need to do a little bit of work on your own. You need to do some homework. So you've just gotten a new camera. Uh, let's say it's a little point-and-shoot. Um, those are great little cameras. Uh, you want to make sure you've got a, at least 10 megapixels, um, if not higher, and uh, some programming functions. Uh, but I suggest working your camera on manual for a while. Yes, let's go back to the old-fashioned way. The thing about a lot of these point-and-shoot cameras that are pre-programmed is they are pre-programmed to a specific um let's call it logarithm, to get what is somebody's idea of a great picture. Um, It's going to set your depth of field. It's going to set your focus point. It's going to set your shutter speed, and it's going to set your aperture. And if you don't know what those terms mean, then I suggest you read the little book that comes with your camera or do a little research on the web so that you understand. Because shutter speed, depth of field, uh aperture is what makes your picture you can just go take a picture that's you know put the camera up there look through the viewfinder or the digital screen and press the shutter you're just taking a picture we're talking about making pictures we're talking about making a fabulous photograph and capturing that moment as you saw it and transferring and translating that emotional feeling you got when you were behind the camera taking that picture making that picture so it's a good idea to understand read the book and get a basic understanding of your camera basics know what the different program functions mean because when the moment happens and that lion is in front of your vehicle you don't want to be fumbling around trying to figure out uh oh where is that thing that i wanted to do you want to know 
you want muscle memory. You want your fingers to understand the buttons of your camera without your brain having to step in there. So your brain and your eyes can be behind the viewfinder while your fingers are working the buttons and the technical aspects of your camera. So read the manual and uh, it tells you where all the function buttons are. It tells you how these function buttons work, tells you how to access all the function buttons and the different things these programmable functions do. So once again, I always suggest working on manual for a little while. And uh, with digital cameras, it's great because uh, before, during the days of slide film, you'd have to run through your camera and wait for your film to be developed. Now you can instantly see that camera displayed on your digital playback screen which is great. So what I suggest is running through each aperture, each shutter speed, and seeing the difference of what it does to the photograph, what it does to the finished product. Your depth of field is that which is in focus in front of and behind your your main subject matter. And playing with depth of field is what creates a lot of emotion in your photographs. You can black out a background, you can blur the background to highlight your subject, or you can get hyper Focal, which puts everything between you and the far horizon in focus. So you need to understand what these terms mean and how they actually function on the camera. So spend some time uh, running through the programs on your camera and taking pictures. It's only a media card. You can delete it. You can trash it. You can do whatever. Um, but you need to understand and see the difference. And it's a good idea to hook your uh, media card up to your computer uh, via a card reader. It's not a good idea to hook your camera directly up to the computer, uh, although they provide all the cords and connections to do so, you want to remove that media card, the flash disk, the memory card, whatever you want to call it, smart disk, uh, there's a variety of sizes, and you want to remove that and put that into a card reader and hook it up to your computer so you can actually see um, the detail in your photograph outside of that little 2 inch by 3 inch screen. And most likely when you're taking your photographs and finished with your safari, you're not going to be looking at it on your camera. You're going to be looking at it either on a large screen through a PowerPoint presentation or showing it to your family and friends through your TV or printing up some of these image images, whether you want to enter them in photo contests or um, sell them or print up uh, greeting cards with your images. So you do need to see the image bigger than life. So you put it on the computer so you can see just how well you've uh, caught the focus. Focus is critically important. And when you're focusing on wildlife or you're focusing on people and it's a still shot, so to speak, that you have um, focused and centered your subject as the main aspect of your photograph, you want your focus area to be on the eyes. Uh, our brains work in an interesting way. We understand um, almost uh, unconsciously what makes a good photograph. And uh, we have a really good idea when we look at something that it's just not working. There's something not working for us. So when you look at that photograph and you're playing around and composing, you, you want to make sure your subject matter has been uh, centered um, artistically and creatively. We call it 
bullseye when you put your subject matter always in the center of your shot. Uh, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. It doesn't leave much to see what your subject was doing in its uh, environment. So there's different ways to shoot. Um, in photojournalism, you can usually capture a photographic story within five shots. And uh, that basically comes down to uh, the subject in place, the place, the detail, uh, and a mood. And then you want to give the final setting your mood, your subject in its place with its detail and create a full effect so that the viewer of your photograph gets that emotional impact that you were trying to create and that you found when you photographed the subject. So practice on trying uh, telling a story in five shots. You can use up to ten shots. And... Uh, Editing becomes critical. We all, when we're looking at your photographs, we don't want to see everything you shot. I'm sorry, I know that may come as a blow, but we want to see the highlights. So typically on one of my trips, I'll photograph anywhere from two to 3,000 images, but I'm certainly not going to sit there and make my friends or um, my uh my constituents or my donors go through every 3,000 of those shots. I'm going to pick out anywhere from 20 to 30 and make that the highlight of the trip, and that can be done. So what you're looking for is a great way to focus uh, on your subject. Tell your subject, uh, tell your viewers where that subject is. Um, maybe get a couple of fascinating details. Let's say you're photographing the lion. You want the lion in the foreground and its habitat behind it. Then you want to zoom in on that lion and get its face or its detail or maybe that lion nudging another lion. And then you want to come in just a little closer with that lion in its habitat so that you see it's hiding behind the grass. So you want to take a few different photographs and uh, work your camera, zoom in, zoom out, move your composition around. And uh, our eyes and our brain work in the rule of thirds. So a lot of times when you turn on your camera and you go through your program functions, you'll see a little function called the grid. And uh, if you're a first-time photographer or you're just starting out, you may want to use that grid because it works in the rule of thirds. Basically, it looks kind of like a tic-tac-toe board across your screen. You'll see three vertical columns and three horizontal columns. And if you're always centering your subject in the center square of those columns, then you are doing what's called bullseye. Try moving uh, your subject to the left, to the right, or up and down, and creating repetitive patterns through those other th uh, two-thirds of your screen, whether it be vertical or horizontal. Our brain loves to look at uh, patterns. Um, a lot of times you'll look at a photograph of trees and you'll see the, them uh, lined up not only from the foreground to the background, but from the left to the right or the right to the left of your image. And that's called leading. It leads your eye through the photograph. So if you're focused on somebody and you're 
you've got their eyes and they're looking at something, then you may want to include a little bit to the left or the right, where whichever direction those eyes are looking at, so that you lead your viewer through the photograph as opposed to just stopping there. If um, the eyes are looking straight at you, then um, it's nice to include a little bit of the background so that you can put your animal or your subject in place. If your animal is running, then you want to lead into where the animal is running to, not where the animal has run from. So you would put a running lion. Let's say that lion is running from left to right. Then you want to have a little more of the right side into your composition so you can see what the lion is running to. Um, so there's a lot that you, could, you as the photographer can do to compose your photograph and make it the best photograph possible. There's a, a little trick that as a photographer and a, a photographic uh, instructor, what you always want to do is tour your viewfinder. Before you snap that shutter, take a quick look, little look around through the viewfinder and make sure you don't have a stray twig or your finger or your camera strap or some weird little thing hanging into your subject matter that uh, would distract from the final image. A lot of times we're so focused on the image and in wildlife photography, it happens in a matter of seconds sometimes that you forget to tour the viewfinder. So tour the viewfinder because of that twig or that blade of grass is right in the middle of what you've created to be an, a magnificent shot then there is really no way to get rid of it. Yes, you can Photoshop it out, but, you know, that's not the point. The point is, is to make the best photograph you can as you're shooting so that when it comes to reproducing that photograph, you've got the best shot. So between shooting and raw and choosing your camera and knowing your camera, uh, you're several steps ahead to making the best uh, photograph that, you can make. And remember, this is a once in a lifetime trip, or let's say you're more of a, a, an amateur professional and you really want to sell these images, then it's important to, or even if you're not selling them and you want to put them on greeting cards or a calendar for your friends as gifts and holiday gifts or birthday gifts, then you want to get the most out of this photograph. So be sure to tour your viewfinder, know your camera, know the equipment, and practice. So when we get back um, after the break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about basic equipment that you'll need beyond the point-and-shoot camera. So we'll uh, talk to you in a little bit. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. 
She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Hi there, and welcome back. We're talking camera equipment, whether you're going on that first photographic safari or you're going on your second or third or you're a long-time traveler or even just photographing our wild world from your backyard. So let's say you've got your new camera and or you're shopping around for a new camera and it's not a point and shoot. It's always a good idea to carry your point and shoot with you because they're fast, they're quick and uh, they're great at uh, short distances and to catch immediate fun things that might be happening in your vehicle or with your fellow travelers or uh, people. And uh, the programmable aspects uh, are great because they set it up for you. But as I've suggested, always know how to work your camera on manual because the programmable functions are set to an algorithm that is preset you can't play with. Once you uh, get into and start playing with the settings of your camera, you're going to be amazed at the results that you'll get because now you can start playing with your depth of field, your shutter speed, and your aperture. These three aspects are the key to photography. Photographing is capturing light, and light uh, is what our eyes do. And uh, in order to capture what our eye is seeing on the digital format, or even film, if you're still shooting film, a lot of us still do, you need to be able to adjust these uh, three aspects of your camera, shutter speed, aperture, focus point, and... Um, um, the depth of field. So the depth of field, as I said, is what is in focus in front of and behind your subject matter. And you can either have that crystal clear or you can blur it out. Shutter speed is how much light is allowed to hit the digital media or as we used to say before, to hit the film, how long your film is exposed to light. And uh, it can be very fast where you're stopping time, which means you're catching the water droplets as they fly through the air, as opposed to slowing down time and getting a soft, flowy, smoky look as or a stream kind of look where that moment is not stopped in time. The water drop is falling through your lens and you're capturing its trail. And then, of course, there is... Um, 
your your composition. So you've got to have a great look of your composition. Tour your viewfinder before you snap the shutter to make sure there's no stray things. So there is a thing called, uh, there's a piece of equipment, a lot of them, Canon, Nikon, Olympus, are going beyond the basic point-and-shoot and going into what is called an advanced point-and-shoot. A Canon uh, makes a great one, so does Nikon. For my small cameras, I use Canon. And for my video cameras, I use Canon and Sony. But for my still cameras, I use Nikon. And that's not because I'm promoting one over the other. Uh, what it is is I've always used Nikon. So I have a stack of lenses and a stack of equipment from 30 years that I'm not going to suddenly switch over to Canon. So if you're starting out fresh and you haven't begun to amass or accumulate any camera gear, then check them all out. Go into a photographic store and start to play um, and see which camera feels good in your hands. The basic difference between a Canon and a Nike Canon and a Nikon technically or let's call it physically in the body of the camera is they're kind of reversed so if you're used to using a Nikon and finding all the functions on a Nikon when you switch over to a Canon they're going to be sort of just backwards or in a different position the lenses attached to a camera in the reverse way than a Nikon so I'm used to a Nikon so when I need to do quick changes of my lenses I don't want to have to think oh, I'm going from my Nikon to my Canon. I don't have time to do that. I want it to be smooth and I, my fingers know where everything is and I can do a quick change of a lens or I can find the functions. So whatever you decide, uh, whatever brand you decide to use, stick with that brand because as you get beyond the advanced point and shoot and starting getting into SLR cameras, which means single lens reflex, which actually has the mutter, uh, excuse me, the mirror that flips. Maybe you're used to looking at the inside of an old camera and when you press the shutter button the little mirror went click click. That's the sound that you hear. A lot of the digital cameras include that sound so that you know you've taken a photograph. Um, in a point and shoot there is no mirror that is moving. Um, that's the critical difference between an SLR camera and a point and shoot. So an SLR camera is now you're getting into basic uh, amateur to professional and uh, your whole world opens up. You have so many more functions on an SLR camera plus the choices of lenses. And lenses are really important when you're photographing wildlife and people, but specifically for wildlife. And this is why a point and shoot won't really work for you because their distance, their ratio, their lens ratio is usually 1 to 12 or 1 to 20. And that means what's in front of you is 20 times smaller than what you're seeing it. So when you look at the front of your camera and you see on the lens this number, You'll see a series of numbers. One will be followed by the letters MM, and that's the millimeters, and that's telling you the size of the lens. And then the next one will have like one with a colon and a five, or a one with a colon and a one. That's the ratio of the lens. That means the difference between life size to what it's coming down to through the lens. So a lot of times 
the practical way to understand this is you're looking at the person in front of you or the animal in front of you, and it looks like it's five or ten feet away, and maybe it actually is five or ten feet away. And then you put the camera in front of your face, and suddenly uh, the image got really, really small. It looks like it's so much farther away from you. That's the ratio I'm talking about, one to 20. So on an SLR lens and some of the advanced point-and-shoot cameras, you have a choice of lenses. So the lower that ratio, that one to whatever, the lower the, that second number should be lower, the more life size you're actually looking at through the through the camera, through the lens, TTL. That's what that means, TTL, through the lens. So when you start shooting with SLR cameras, single lens reflex, and through the lens, you actually have a viewfinder that you can look through, not just a digital display. And this viewfinder is really important because now you're actually able to see what the camera is seeing. A lot of the point-and-shoots don't have a viewfinder, that little hole that looks like a little glass hole that you put your eye up to. And today we're so used to just looking at the digital uh, playback display on the camera as our lens that you're um, actually losing some of the ability to see what the camera's photographing. So uh, get yourself a nice camera. If this is going to be a safari that you want to do and you want to put the money into it, now you're moving up a step. And this is a, more of a professional, amateur to professional uh, camera aspect. And you can play with these cameras. They shoot manually. You can set everything that you want to set, including your focus point, how your flash works, whether it um, shoots off before your mirror flicks or after, which changes uh, the action on a film and it changes the light on a film. So once again, I can't stress enough, know your camera, especially if you're going to um, take a great trip like this or you're going to go hiking um, uh, and you want to catch these memories uh, that you you need to know your equipment. So it doesn't really matter what brand. I would suggest Olympus, Canon, or Nikon as you start moving into the better cameras simply because they're more cross-platform with each other. And, uh, and, and they don't have little quirks that might be specific to some of the, um, let's call it off-Broadway brands. So once you're getting into the SLR cameras, now you get to play with lenses. And uh, these are lenses that come off, and you can change lenses. And lenses and uh, your lens allows you to play more with uh, your focal length. So um, you to do a good photographic safari, I would suggest you need at least two basic lenses, a 28 to 120, and that's millimeters, and that means the 28 is wide angle, so if you brought that lens all the way in, then you would be getting a a wide angle and then you zoom it out to 120 and you can focus in. But still 120 millimeters might not be quite enough to get you next to that lion or the wildlife that you're photographing, especially a leopard in a tree. Uh, you are in a vehicle and you are at least 50 meters away, 30 to 50 meters typically away from wildlife. So the bigger your lens, the closer you can get without interfering and physically getting close to that wildlife. I shoot with a anywhere between a 300 to a 600 millimeter. And then I use a piece of equipment that's called a doubler. And you can get that in a 1.4 or a 2X doubler. And what that does is doubles your focal length. So let's say you have a 28 to a 120. You put on your 2X 
Flex Doubler, you are now shooting at 240. So it's a uh, millimeter distance. So you can zoom in just that much more. So imagine now that you're shooting with a 70 to a 210 or an 80 to a 300 or 400. You put your doubler on. And you're now shooting up to 800 millimeters, and that brings that uh, leopard in the tree pretty darn close to you through the lens. So the lenses uh, are important, and it's good to have the right lens that matches your equipment. A lot of times you can find um, a variety of lenses that are compatible with your Nikon or your Canon or your Olympus camera, but it's best to stick with the brand uh, lens that is the same as your camera. They function well, they read each other, and in today's digital world where there's so many programmable functions and so many aspects to these cameras that you can um, do so much, then it's best to have uh, all matching embedded native equipment uh, so that everything works together. So uh, we covered lenses. You want at least a 28 to a 120. Um, I would take that up to at least 200 or 300 to, if you're going to be specifically photographing wildlife. Uh, the 28 is great for people. Now that's the wide angle. So um, I guess a basic rule of thumb, the smaller the number, the wider the angle, the larger the number, the narrower the focus, and the higher the zoom. So that second number on the zoom uh, or, or these, these lenses is how close the focal point gets, how much closer the subject matter is brought to you through the optics of the lens. And, uh, and when you add a 1.4 or a 2x doubler, then uh, you're increasing that focal length by that much. But the other thing to remember is if you're using a slow lens, which is a, uh, the aperture doesn't go any smaller than, let's say, 4.5 or 5.6, which is average, you're going to lose a lot of light. So it's a good idea to have a fast lens, and that's that 2.8. So um, 2.8 is about the fastest lens that you can get, and that will shoot in low light. And then if you add a doubler to it, you've brought that down to a 4.5. So every time you uh, double your stop, you double your focal length through a piece of equipment, you lose one stop of light. And that can become critical if you're shooting in uh, those crepuscular animals that are busy during um, dawn and dusk where your light is fading, especially at dusk, then you need a faster lens so that you can shoot in low light without having to add a flash. So uh, flash photography is not really considered good in wildlife photography because uh, it's a bit of interfering and um, uh, it changes everything else about your, your photograph. You have to reset a lot of your aperture and your um, focus speed to allow for that flashlight. So we'll get a bit more into photographing landscape and photographing people when we come back from the break. Feel free to call in at one 866 472 472-5788 if you have any questions. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. 
our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And we're talking cameras and camera gear so that you get the best shot on that once-in-a-lifetime safari or whether you're just out hiking in your neighborhood and want to photograph your wild world out the back of your door or through your through your window. I Let's say you've got a mountain lion in your yard. You certainly don't want to walk outside. You want to photograph that through the window. And a lot of the times on a wildlife photographic safari, you will be in a vehicle and you're either going to be shooting through the wind, uh, the open window, uh, while you're sitting on your seat or you can stand up and shoot through the roof hatch. Uh, and the problem with shooting through the roof hatch is that you are looking down on the wildlife and it's not a real natural angle. So the more you can photograph on the same ground level as the animal, the more realistic and impactful your photograph will be. Uh, the larger zoom lens that you have, uh, the more you can f- have that animal fill uh, your image uh, area and uh, be able to get more detail. So a lot of times on a, and then there's weather. Okay, there's sunshine. There's the golden hour that we talk about, which is those few minutes around sunrise and sunset when you get this fabulous golden light. So uh, once again, you want to know how to use your camera, how to work your way through the functions and the programs of that camera, or shoot manually, which is allowing you to adjust your shutter speed and your aperture. Aperture, I guess I didn't define this, aperture is what allows how much light through the lens. Um, so if you've taken a lens off and you spin it around, you're going to see sort of a, a folding um, uh uh, what's the word? Um, the aperture, the, the, the part of the camera, you're going to see it close down and open up from a very small hole to a big hole. So that's the 2.8 up to, let's say, 11.6. Those uh, are the basic numbers, 2.8, 4.5, 5.6. 
uh, 11, 16, 22, 26. Those are your ap- typical ap- aperture settings. So it's a good idea to basically remember that uh, mathematical pro- progression because that is th- the basic function every lens will use. So the smaller the number, the 2.8, the wider the aperture. It, your camera is called wide open. Uh, the larger the number, let's say 22, you are closed down. So what this does, what aperture affects is your depth of field, what's in focus and what's not, and how much is in focus between you and the horizon line. So if you want to get a great shot of that lion right in front of you, but you don't want the clutter of the background, then you want your aperture wide open. You want to be shooting between uh, 2.84 and 5.6. And uh, this is how you can blur out and uh, get rid of some of that annoying background, which might be a little too busy and uh, take away from your subject matter. If that lion is a bit farther away and you've got a fabulous background, let's say you're in the Serengeti and you can see um, Mount Kilimanjaro behind you and you've got the sun perfectly on the top of Kilimanjaro, but you don't want all the stuff in front. So you focus between the lion and Kilimanjaro and then recompose back on the lion. And now you've got a hyperfocal uh, focus distance, everything from the lion to Mount Kilimanjaro will be in focus and high detail. So you need to play with your camera, play with it, play with it, play with it so that you understand what you're getting. Look at your shots, um, understand it's, it's a good idea to take notes so that you understood what you shot. But now, um, most times when you upload your digital shots to your computer through a program such as Lightroom, or bridge, it gives you your history and your history is what you want to know so that when you got a great shot and everything is lined up perfectly in terms of the information of the shot, you can look at that and you can see what you shot at and you get a good idea and that's your um, personal tutor so that you understand what the history is and where everything that the, where everything technically the camera was in position that got you that shot. And a history is important, especially if you're going to be um, entering your photographs in a contest. Uh, once you've worked it a little bit in Photoshop and gotten the most, the lights, the levels, the darks and the shadows to where you want them without totally manipulating this photograph that it's become something other than what you shot. Whenever you enter a photo in a contest, they're going to want the original as shot so that they can see just how far you took it into the digital dark dark room. Um, And that includes cropping and levels and levels is uh, shadows and um, and lights and uh, so have fun with your uh, photographic software I suggest Adobe Photoshop there's a suite called CS6 and then there's also Lightroom which is native to Apple um, so they work as your light board and your darkroom in conjunction with each other so I can't stress enough how much it is you need to know your equipment before you go on your trip so play with it in your wild world out back um, on a hike, shoot flowers, shoot things close up, understand what the, the color points are on your camera and play with it in your digital darkroom on your computer so that by the time you get there to the place that you're, you've spent a lot of money, time and effort to get the most out of this trip, that your photographs reflect it and tell the emotion that you went through to get that shot. Um, photoing landscape is a bit easier. 
Um, once again, you usually want to have good light. And in shooting to the sun, it's always a good idea to remember to not let that sun burn through your lens for too long. If you're focusing and metering to get your light perfectly, don't do it with the sun bullseyed into your lens. It will burn through your lens. And um, these days, it won't burn through your uh, film or anything like that. But it will. It can damage your lens. So always... Um, meter off that subject matter if it's a bright sunrise or sunset and then recompose back to the, uh, the sun in, in your shot and then snap your shutter. Remember to take a tour of your viewfinder. Remember to understand your uh, camera equipment and keep it clean. It's a good idea to not change lenses if you're driving through the dust unless you have a camera bag because today with all the uh, little C- CV uh, digital connections those get dirty. So there are some great camera cleaning equipment out there. Um, one good company is called Visible Dust so that you don't have to send this uh, uh, camera in. I see we have a caller, JC. He's in Colorado. Um, oh, we lost Jay. I'm sorry. I didn't see that note. Jay, I hope you'll send me uh, an email at wildize at wildeyes.org. Uh, I'm sorry I missed your call. I was a little engrossed in talking equipment. Um, I'd love to answer your question. So it looks like we're getting ready to close here. If anybody has some questions, please be sure to contact me. If you're looking uh, for a perfect gift for Christmas and you're going on that photographic safari, try looking into a nice camera. Um, you can also help uh, Wild Eyes uh, by giving a donation to sponsor one of our projects. I know I'm getting off the subject of photography, but it is the season of giving, and we can give back to our world and uh, our wild world and help keep it wild. So please check out our website at www.wildeyes.org and uh, check out some of the projects that we're working in. And while you're there, take a look at some of our photo and video galleries. These are all my images that I've been shooting over 20 years and you'll uh, get to see some great shots and uh, learn how to edit and learn how to make that shot that is absolutely perfect that tells your story of our wild world. So uh, happy holidays to everyone. If you'd like to give a gift that keeps on giving, please donate to Wild Eyes Foundation. It will keep our projects and our wildlife and our wild world continuing on for future generations, not only for today, but for tomorrow and the day after, and uh, help support our projects and uh, provide uh, sponsorship for our radio show. If you're enjoying our show, we'd love to keep uh, keep it going, and we'd love to hear from you. So until next week, enjoy, enjoy our wild world. Get outside and have some fun, and while you're at it, take a picture. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now.